my husband loves this story because I don't do a lot of really dumb things, but Levon was like two and a half. He fell asleep at dinner and I put him in the uh, lay down stroller and my husband was like, you need to buckle him in so he doesn't fall out. And I said, he's not going to fall out. You know, he's never fallen out. He's two and a half. I know what I'm doing. And we're walking down this like sidewalk arguing about whether or not he's going to fall out. And the kid just falls out of the stroller, dead asleep onto the sidewalk and rolls. Just asleep still. Yes. And we still like leave him on the sidewalk to argue about, you know, he's just fallen out. I mean, that was not that was not a moment for me. We are wives, entrepreneurs, entertainers, executives, and at the end of the day, we are all moms, all at the same time and never in the same order. (laughs) This is Hi, My Name is Mom, a podcast about motherhood. Here are your hosts, Jen, Corey, and Kayla. I just have this vision in my head of this sleeping child. I know. was just unbothered, (laughs) you know? He kind of was. Like rolling. This is my third. And I'm still failing. (laughs) Aren't we all? It's like the most common thread of parenthood, right? Yes. I often do things where I think, you know, and I will text his his birth grandmother and say, like, it's a good thing you can't take him back because I just did something really, really terrible. (laughs) Today on the podcast, we have Jessica Butler who is the co-founder of Raise, which I have become so obsessed with this online magazine, this content. It just, it aligns so much with what we're doing, which is community, inclusiveness, not being judgmental, understanding that there's a bunch of ways to parent, there's a bunch of ways to become a parent. So Jessica, thank you so much for talking to us today. Thank you for having me. Jessica has this really unique story of becoming a parent She has experienced things that we haven't. And that's a big thing, Jessica, that we want to do on the podcast is tell stories that aren't ours. It's important to us that we're a voice for a ton of parents and moms out there. And that's how we feel too at Raise. I never wanted it to be a mommy blog. I do write a lot of content about my story, but it's much more of an editorial. And we really strive to share other perspectives. And, you know, I'm an adoptive parent, but it's very important to me to share stories of adoptees and birth moms sharing the lesser told stories. November is National Adoption Awareness Month. It is. And so with you here and willing to talk about your uh, adoption journey, I just think it's such great timing. I can't think of a better way to go into Thanksgiving week than being thankful for all of the wonderful adoption stories out there. So Jessica has two stepsons (laughs) and a third son who is adopted. Yes. Had a domestic so, open adoption. Is when that we right? got, yes. When we got married, Jackson and Henry were 13 and 8. And they are now 27 and 22. Mm-hmm. And when Henry was 16, we adopted Levon, who's now 7. So now I have a 7-year-old, a 22-year-old, and a 27-year-old. Reading your story, you've taken some really challenging life situations and you've put a little humor behind it. And I and I love that. I love your approach on things. So the first of which is that you married a man that was o- much older than you and you got two bonus kids. They got a bonus mom. Yes. You became a step parent. Did you feel like you had community? No. <laughs> really? <laughs> no. One of the interesting things is that as a step parent, you are expected to know how to parent. 
you, no one wants you to parent, but you're supposed to know how to do it, but nobody gives you advice. So when you have a baby, everybody gives you advice. And when you have stepchildren, no one says a word and you're just supposed to figure it out. And that's really why I started Raise. It was much more about step parenting than adoption. I wasn't an adoptive mom at the time. Um, and I just felt like there were no resources. There's no magazine. There are no books. It's not celebrated. It's all you saw was the evil stepmother. I mean, yes. that's really like when we that's were kids, that's day. all you ever heard about. You didn't hear about these wonderful, incredible stories of people who co-parent in a really meaningful way. Right. And so it really started out as a resource for step parents. And just so much of it was sharing the frustration of what it's like to be a step parent and the lack of resources and kind of discovering by talking to other step parents, what was really needed. Did you feel this added pressure to be like this super parent because you were not the boy's biological mom? Did you feel like you had to go like above and beyond? Be the ultra cool like the mom. Pressure? I didn't feel like I had to be a cool mom, but I did feel that I wasn't allowed to have a learning curve. So as a step parent, you know, you have two, in my case, you have two children who they're on to you. They're watching you. You don't get to make mistakes and have those kids forget about it because they were one or two. Um, when you make a mistake, they know and they call you out on it. <laughs> and it's, you know, you're learning to parent in front of kids who can judge you. And I don't mean that they judged me, but it's just you're learning um, with an audience, I guess is the best way <laughs> to put it. And so there was, there was a lot of pressure to not make mistakes because you don't want to look inept to your own children. You know, you're expected, you're the adult, even though I was only, what, 12 years older than my stepson, my oldest stepson at the time. So there was pressure there, but not so much from outside because I, I think the truth is the public doesn't expect you to parent. The public expects you to stay very hands off. Wow. That that's is, really, that's and, really and that's the last yeah. thing that kids need. I, I mean, I would think if, they, I, if you take a different perspective on it, these kids are getting extra love. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's what the, I feel like. Bonus of yeah. It, that security, like. Well, in that term bonus parent, I feel like I have heard that so much more recently, which makes me hope, it makes me hope that the dialogue is shifting and that the perspective is shifting. I don't know if you see that. I think for some people it is, some people it isn't. It depends on where you are, you know, partially in the country and how old the person is that you're talking to. I really try to explain it's not a competition. I'm not trying to replace their mom. I, I'm just another parent, just like their mom and their dad aren't in competition. A mom and a stepmom aren't in competition. If their mother was in a relationship with me, no one would think it was odd if the boys were close to me. But because I'm in a relationship with their dad, it seems like it's some sort of competition when in fact, it doesn't need to be that way at all. So how is it when all of you are together? Do you ever do holidays or birthdays together? Or do you always have kind of separate events? And um, how do you when, manage that? When the boys were young, we did like the first couple of years, we did birthdays and holidays together. As they got older, we did our own celebrations, but definitely for like graduations, we're together. You know, if it's something that's just about the kids, um, then we make it about the kids. And so like for Henry's graduation, his college graduation, we all met in Kansas where he graduated from KU 
and we all flew in and we had dinner together. And then she had some time with him and we had some time with him, but no, we do the, we do the big things together and we just make it work. And that's really to the credit of her and my husband. I mean, if, if those two people, if the two primary parents don't set that tone, there's, you know, you can be the best step parent in the world, but it's going to be difficult. So it really does come down to the relationship and the standard that the two primary parents have. We just did an episode about parenting with your village and how you can run into disagreements about the way you raise your kids versus the way your friend who you're very close with. And we've we've talked about this amongst the three of us, you know, discipline and the way you feed your kids. And so when your village does include exes, I mean, that seems like it could add another layer of complication if everyone sort of isn't playing nice. Definitely. I mean, it can be absolutely toxic. I was very lucky that I never had that issue. I mean, we've had ups and downs. I always say, yes, I have fought with my husband's ex, but not nearly as much as I have fought with my husband or <laughs> my well, mother. I mean, you have just like with your village. Of like, I can't imagine I, just having a conversation on the daily basis with, with one of John's exes <laughs> about like life decisions. Like, of course you're going to have ups and downs. I think if you get along the yeah. majority of the time, you're winning. What advice do you have for moms that are sort of in that place right now where they're really struggling to make a connection with the other, you know, the other co-parents? I mean, it, it does depend on kind of what the real issue is. The first thing I always say is, is it an issue with the ex or is it an issue with your spouse? or your partner. Because most of the time when I talk to people, it strikes me that this is really an issue you need to talk about with the person you're married to, not the other person. So that's a piece of advice, number one. Um, The other one is just to treat the other co-parent with the same amount of respect that you would treat someone in your family with. Like, I feel, and I talk about this on the blog, I feel like a lot of co-parenting people take a one and done approach where we had a huge blow up. So I'm done. I'm not, you know, our relationship is over. And it's like, how many times have you had a huge blowout with your mom or your husband or, you know, your spouse? You don't not talk to them anymore. Why would you treat the ex that way? Like you're allowed to be really mad and not talk to them for 24 hours and then, you know, put on your big girl pants and go back. It's going to happen. You're raising kids together. You're going to have fights and that's okay. The un- unconditional approach of family, right? Where it's I like, love that. okay, we love each other through it. We get through it. We, we give each other the benefit of the doubt and we move forward for everyone's sake. That's what we have to do as yeah, family. Mm-hmm. So it's really, it sounds like it's really being a family. Every member is a family. Is a family. Is. And, and I also say, you know, treat it like a business partnership. There, there are so many people who don't like their bosses, but they make it work because they have to. Ew. You have to make this work. The not communicating yeah. is not an option. If you share kids, you, you have to make it work. This is your number one job. So make it work. I think the hardest thing was the judgment from the outside. I thought that if I faced issues, it would be with their mom. And it wasn't, it was with other people, like their friends' moms or their teachers. You know, those were the people who really came out and, 
and were very, uh, they were drawing boundaries for me, I guess is the, the best way to put it. Was it that they didn't think that you should be involved in certain things? I think so. I think it's funny. There are people who feel very protective of the mother almost on her behalf, but I think that's more projecting. I think it's more like, wow, if this young girl can come in and be their mom, what does that mean for me? What's going to happen with my oh, that's powerful. Yeah. Wow. And I, I really do think it was much more about them than it was about their need to protect their mom because their mom didn't need protecting because she wasn't threatened. <laughs> She was she was comfortable know, and confident she in was her comfortable role. in her role. She knows her role with her children. Um, but they, you know, I think it was about their role with their children. Can we talk about what the kids call you? Because <laughs> Pia Messica is that it's actually they just they call me Pamesica. Pamesica because, <laughs> because one of one of the kids said, Well, there's too many J's or something, right? Too many people yeah, with a his, J name. His brother, Henry, it was Henry, uh, my youngest stepson, and he has a brother, Jackson, and he had a grandpa, Jim, and that's only two people, but that was a lot for him. (laughs) And he said, I just want to, you know, I want to give you a different letter in your name. So I said, okay, that's fine. You know, and he said, Pamesica. And I thought it was cute. He was like seven at the time. And it really stuck. It was unfortunate. (laughs) Um, and then my friends started calling me that, you know, just kind of as a joke, but then that kind of stuck. So yeah, it's, I mean, they still like when they write me cards, they'll, they'll call me Jessica in public more often now. Not always. That's hilarious. That is great. But yeah, like, when I read it, I was like, Jessica, it does work for me. It's very, very appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> you said something in the article about like how well it does happen, you know, a couple days a month or something. Yeah, like that. so yeah it's like, very oh, did they actually say Pia Messica because he didn't, but he should have. I mean, had he known what PMS was at that point at seven, he probably <laughs> he had no idea. Rightfully diagnosed, he me had no idea like PMS what a joke, like what a good joke he was yes. making. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> I have probably too many questions about adoption um, okay. just because it hits it hits home so much for me and where I'm at in my journey. But I've always thought in my in my mind, like if you put a baby in my arms and you say, OK, this is your baby. I know myself that I would just be like, I love it. No, matter, it didn't come from my body. Like, it's just the same. I'm just so curious about what that bond is when it's not a baby. And this might even be a question for moms that adopt older kids as well, because I feel yeah. like it's so easy to fall in love with an infant. All They're of just a sudden a blank slate. Yeah. And, and all of a yeah. sudden, like you're a bonus mom and you have kids that are already have the personalities. They're already like people. Look, I am a big sister. My sister's seven years younger. I was always, you know, the babysitter. It was very easy for me with my stepsons to feel protective and loving and bonded. Now, was our relationship, I mean, it's still a new relationship with yeah. your kids. But yes, I did feel love for them immediately. I also think that's because they were so open about it. I mean, I do think that if you have, children who are stepchildren who are very resistant to you, it's much, much harder. So I don't think it's a blanket answer for everybody. Um, But I will say, you know, if you've ever, if you've ever worked in a classroom, you know, if you have older kids and, and you, you'll bond with one of the little girls or the boys in the class, you know, you feel drawn to people like it's the same thing. You do have an immediate connection to certain people, but your relationship grows. Um, And it's, 
you know, I've never had a biological child, so I don't know, but I would assume that when somebody hands you a newborn that has just come out of you, you feel overwhelming love for them, but you also don't know them. I mean, one thousand percent. Yeah, so you do not know them, it's and like, the bond sometimes takes a while. Yeah, it's not any different, except that my kids could talk. <laughs> That's the only okay. difference. That's fair. I love that, and it's true. I mean, I have friends who yep. I have friends who didn't feel bonded to their baby, and for six months, I know dads yeah. who didn't feel as bonded until, until like the kids two. were significantly <laughs> yes. older. Yeah. I think it's. Different I always for say everyone. it's kind of like being a dad. I have to assume is you know the way that my husband describes like, well, I didn't carry Jackson and Henry. They came out. I didn't really know them. It took me a while. I think that's, it's similar yeah. for um, some adoptive parents and step parents and foster parents. So in your adoption journey um, with Levon, did you get him at birth? Yes. Yeah. And you have an open adoption. We have a semi open adoption. So okay. we, he, um, he is, he has an, relationship with his birth mother's grandparents. We're very close to that. I saw that you guys moved and you were excited about built-in grandparents. Um, so we didn't move, but we bought a sort of a vacation house. Okay. They live in Arizona. So we bought a house near them when Levon was like two and a half. So that we're in LA. So it's like an hour long flight. It's very easy to go back and forth. And so we were able to spend holidays there and like you know, long weekends and um, things like that. So I always joke, like we did it for free babysitting, but no, it was great. I love on your um, article that I was reading, you were saying that there should be no secrets in adoption, which really kind of stood out for me because I have always, every time I've looked into adoption, um, my husband and I have, um, we're currently going through the home study process, but I've always in my head thought I wanted an absolute closed adoption. And I don't know if that's my own insecurities. Like, like I don't know where that comes from, but in my head, I'm like, well, obviously I'd want closed. And then I read that and, and I'm thinking, well, that makes sense too. Like, of course you wouldn't want any secrets. And so I'm, I would love advice any what would you say to moms that are in the beginning stages of this like what did that journey look like for you with it being so open well i think i have i just came from the perspective of my mother is an adoptee and she was adopted by a family member so growing up i knew she was adopted i knew who her biological parents were because you know they were still part of our family, obviously. Um, she knew her family. So open adoption is kind of the only example I had. I didn't even know <laughs> until I was much older that there was such a thing as closed adoption. Um, so that was always something that I was comfortable with, I think, because when you grow up around it, you don't have that threat of whatever fears people have about an open adoption. Also, as a step-parent, I had only ever known motherhood as something that I shared with other parents. So obviously I was already comfortable in that position. Um, but for me, it's just, I had done, I had listened to so many adoptees who spoke about the importance of openness. And as a teenager, like if you asked me now at 39, I don't have an overwhelming urge to connect with my mother's biological family members that we don't have a relationship with. But as a teenager, I remember 
being very upset that I didn't have that. And I think it's because, you know, she had chosen to have relationships with certain people and not have relationships with others. And I just remember even as the child of adoptee, what that felt like to be told, no, you can't, you know, you don't get to reach out to them. It was like rejection, I'm sure. And by the way, like I am not an adoptee. It really shouldn't even have mattered to me. (laughs) But I remember that it did because you know how it is when you're young. And I just thought I never, ever want my child to feel like they can't. But I think the biggest thing for me, and it's something that a foster mom said to me once, was that if, you know, whether or not you grow up knowing your family, there's a part of you that knows you came from these people. And if there is a secret around it, or there is some sort of um, message given to you that those people shouldn't be a part of your life or they aren't good, if you believe that the people you came from are bad, you believe that you are bad. And I never, ever wanted my child to feel like there was something negative about his biological family. You know, there are people who want an open adoption, but it doesn't work out that way for whatever reason. You can still honor your child's birth family in the way that you talk about them, in the way that you give them any information you can. I mean, I just really feel like that is part of an adoptee's identity. I always say you have to think about an infant adoption the same way you would think about adopting another child from foster care. You know that that child from foster care would have an attachment to their biology and you know that there's some trauma there and you know how important it would be to talk to them about their past. And I feel like, you know, the the idea of a baby as a blank slate isn't true. The baby still has that history. They still have that attachment and that has to be honored, even if those people are not an active part of their daily life. And so I, I think it's just something you sign up for. Um, That's amazing. I think there are so many people in my position that need to hear that. Mm -hmm. I love hearing you saying like, it's not a blank slate because in my mind, I've always told myself that a dear friend of mine was adopted at three days old. And the only information he had on his birth parents was this thing they called non-identifying information. And so had he had these ideas planted in his head by this one sheet document that he had. And it wasn't until he was in his mid to late forties that he decided to actually pursue finding his biological family. And it was a completely different story than he had believed his entire life. And I think it shifted so much for him in terms of how he thought of himself and where he came from. And he has a beautiful relationship now with his biological father and brothers and it's the coolest thing to witness because like you said he it was he was an, a baby and he is is very close with his adoptive um, family as well and they raised him and that's always his right like that's where he came from and it doesn't diminish anything about that right. but just these ideas he had about himself that were just sort of written on this whiteboard for him that dictated who he thought he was mm-hmm. I, just what you said is so it's so powerful and important and something that if you haven't been there and you haven't gone through it yet, like the importance of that just can't be emphasized enough. And I think there's, you know, we all, all mothers value those friends who love your kids, like they're, you know, their own. I mean, you want those friends who will just love your children as though 
they gave birth to them. And yet as adoptive parents, people don't want birth parents to love these children as though they gave birth to them. And it's like, but don't you, don't you want everyone in this child's life to love them? And it's, again, it's not a competition. It's just like the step parenting thing. Yeah, it's exactly like the step parenting thing. And you are their parent. And so is this other person. I mean, anybody who's ever had biological parents that they, uh, had to give a little distance from, or oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. their teacher is going to be an influential person and their grandmothers are going to be influential and their birth mother can be influential. And that's only better. It's just, it's a part of them. You know, for a long time, it was about show the positive adoption stories. And, and that's obviously wonderful. I think that positivity is great, but to me, it's about showing the realities of adoption. And just like parenthood, there are really wonderful parts and there are really brutal parts and you have to sign up for all of it. And I just think, you know, the more you understand what it's really like, the less scared you are. You know, we're all prepared for parenthood to a point. Like if you have a biological child, you read everything you need to know about breastfeeding and birth and you you prep and adoptive parents have to do the same thing. You have to prep for the actual issues that come up and you can never prep perfectly. But if you're considering adoption and you've never talked to an adoptee about what it's like to be adopted and you've never talked to a birth mom about what it's like or a birth parent, period, um, I think you're doing yourself and your child a disservice because you do have, because of the society we live in, you have certain beliefs that are just embedded in you. And you need to really check those, I think, at the door before you go on this journey. Yeah, I think that's such a good perspective. I mean, I come from, um, my parents took in kids and from from the foster parent perspective, my husband has several adoptive um, aunts and uncles. His grandparents adopted a set of siblings. And so I love the idea of talking to birth moms because I think... Our perspective has always been the outcome of the kids because of their, you know, birth situations. And so I love, I I love your perspective on that. I would love to talk to a birth mother for Kayla too, because (laughs) well, one of the things we've been talking about recently is we were talking about anxiety on the podcast last week and postpartum anxiety and anxiety when you're fertility anxiety and Kayla tends to feel like she's a pleaser. And so she tends to judge herself as a mom in ways that we don't, we think she's amazing and, and, and is, and is the best kind of mom, but she judges herself. And I so, couldn't even say this. I'm so glad you brought this up. Yeah. Like I couldn't well, even say and, this. And, and one of the things I think is interesting about the adoption process is that in many situations, the birth parents are choosing the adoptive family. Yeah. And so for Kayla, I think it's important to do they get, like me? So yeah. what did that feel like for you during that process? Well, I think it felt like one thing when it was happening. And now I can tell you the perspective I have on the other side of it. When it was happening, I was definitely frustrated because it does feel like a competition. It's a, I never did online dating because that was kind of before my time. Um, but you make this pamphlet and then you wait to be chosen. It's like, you know, this, the key, somebody keeps like swiping. the bachelor bachelorette <laughs> yes. before, yeah, before a baby. So the adoption agency we used, um, they have all of their perspective parent pamphlets online that birth parents can look through, but also prospective parents can look at other people's and you start to feel like, wait, they got picked and we didn't. 
like my profile is better than theirs. You know, there, it does turn into this popularity contest. Gosh. But once, <laughs> once we matched and once I talked to my son's family, what you learn is that people are not looking for a perfect family or for Ken and Barbie. They are looking for people they connect with. And they often pick people who remind them of themselves or look like them. A lot of people are very like connected to people with a physical um, similarity. They're looking for things that are important to them, like in your profile, the thing that you think doesn't matter at all is what they connect to. So it's good for people to know now, like it is just like meeting a friend. Like you start talking to somebody and you have that instant spark and it goes from there. That's exactly what it's like when they're looking at parent profiles. Like we were picked because A, I look a lot like his family and um, it turns out he looks a lot like my husband too, which is very weird. But also it was like they music was very important to his family. And at the time, my son Jackson was in the Berkeley Conservatory and studying music, and they really connected with that. And then um, they loved Steve Martin. And my husband insisted on putting awesome. a reference to Steve Martin against my judgment in our thing. And when they, in our profile, and when they saw that, it was like, this is the family. It's so the it, deal. He closed yes. that. Oh yes. God. So it's, <laughs> it wasn't about our house or the professional photos I had had. It was like based on a candid photo and, you know, a Steve Martin reference. So you just have to be authentically you in your profile and trust that. I mean, think about it. If you were, you have to think about like, if this were you, and you were looking for someone to raise your child because you were dying, what would you want? What would you yeah. want? That, you would it matter? Mom, the Julia just, Roberts, Susan Sarandon. It got dark there. I said you were dying. That was terrible. If you were going on a trip for a really long time and you needed a babysitter. Um, no, but you wouldn't be like, oh, what does their house look like? Well, I will think, say the first picture on our profile is me smashing an ice cream cone into Jonathan's face. I don't have a single like professional shot. She just had her Christmas card photos done. And it is actually true that a hundred percent of them are jokey. <laughs> oh, we have sweaters on. I'm nursing Loxley and John has his arms like this on me. And someone's like, going to feel connected to you because are. of that. Yeah, weird. Are. So I'm glad that you Which said that good. because that was, I was seeing everybody else's super polished ones. And I'm like, that's just not me. I'm not polished. My grammar is terrible. Like that's us. That's, that's you. you. Yeah. Right. Well, no, you can, you can measure yourself against all the other people, but ultimately these birth parents want to find that connection. They're yeah. hoping for it when they look for your, right. your profile, right? You know, things are hard. Adoption has a lot of difficult challenges, I would say, to overcome for adoptees. Not so much. I mean, the, the adoptive parents win. You know, we get the prize. Um, so I think sometimes it's hard for people in the adoptive parent's seat to accept when people say, yeah, but it's not all roses. Because for us, it is. I mean, I, I can't complain. I get this beautiful child and a connection to his amazing family. Like what, you know, yes, from my seat, it's perfect. But there are things he will have to deal with and things that his family has to deal with. And so I think I always encourage people to realize, yes, it's wonderful. And you also have to acknowledge the hard and the hard doesn't make it less wonderful. But if you don't acknowledge it and you don't let your child work through that, it will make it less wonderful for them. You know, you just, you have to deal in the reality and all parenthood is hard. It's apples and oranges. Like if you have a biological child, there's plenty of issues 
plenty of issues. So instead of stressors and yeah, stress, it's yeah. just, you have yeah. to, you have to know what you are dealing with and acknowledge it. And that's really where I think we have the biggest issue today in adoption is just, we're pretending that it's something that it's not. And it's not that it's bad. It's just that we have to accept what it is so that everyone in that triad can grow and heal. Well, you can be very appreciative and grateful and at the same time know that something is not easy. You know? Absolutely. And I yeah, think those things, can they can coexist. What I love about this whole conversation is that at the heart of it is this human connection around a child and loving that child, whether it's from the step parenting angle, from the adoption angle, the biological child angle, it doesn't matter. It's like the more love you can surround mm-hmm. a kid with, the more you can handle those bumps together, yes. the more family, the more village they yes. have. Um, and I would highly recommend anyone listening who wants to learn more about this to go to raisemagazine.com because it's honest. There's advice. It's funny. It's real. And you have so many links and stories on there that I think are so incredibly valuable for any kind of parent. I think anyone listening can find themselves somewhere. I I think it's so cool that you are sharing your story in the way that you are and sharing the stories of so many women and parents out there. It's awesome. You know, adoption, there are so many wonderful platforms now because for such a long time, it's really adoptive parents that have had the microphone. And now there are so many wonderful Instagram platforms and blog platforms by adoptees and um, birth parents. There is a wonderful podcast called the Twisted Sister Podcast hosted by two birth moms. And it's the only podcast by birth moms for birth moms. And it's just such an important thing for prospective adoptive parents and current adoptive parents to look out for because it's the two other parts of the triad that we can't possibly understand on our own. But it's just so important to learn from one another. And it's one of the reasons why I love your podcast is just really getting those stories and those perspectives out that we all need to hear that have been brushed under the rug for so long. So I do really encourage everybody listening to get out of their comfort zone and find those perspectives that are a little uncomfortable for them and learn from those people. Thank you for talking to us today and just being so open with us about your story. Thank you. Follow Ray's at Ray's Parent Mag. We also do cocktail recipes, more importantly. (gasps) Very good. That's really why I started the site. That's my jam. You and I are now best friends. I love making cocktails. If you ever love it. If you ever find yourself in Nashville, come in the studio with us and we'll just make some of those cocktails. Oh, I'll do like my grapefruit ones and pineapple ones. We can just have a cocktail off. My my dirty. I don't even need a cocktail off. it's not a competition, Corey. It's not a competition. It's not a competition. We just we just drink them all. Corey and I just want to You're reap right. the benefits we of do. all of these cocktails. That's right. Well, my husband's ex lives in Nashville, so you guys can have her come into the studio, and I'll just show up and make drinks. Oh, and then you can get the other side from her. I will need to have a drink while she's talking to you. I love that idea. <laughs> but yeah, oh those God, are, those are I podcast. love that you just offered your husband's ex like on <laughs> on air. Uh, you know, yeah. gotta. You got to own it. You got to say, here's the other side. I'm sure she's going to be like, it's not roses. But I'll make cocktails and then it won't matter. See, there I go. Put my foot in my mouth. Okay, bye. (laughs) Thank you guys so much. It was so fun to talk to you. Have a good night. You too. Bye. Bye. Bye.
If you want to support our podcast, which we're hoping you, you, know do, you do, right? Mom supporting moms. The best way you can help us out is to shop our affiliate links, which we have dropped right in the description of today's episode. And lastly, make sure you're following us on all of our social media platforms at Hi, my name is Mom Official. Your name is Mom.